You were listening to a message from The Exchange in Pearl, Mississippi. To find out more about The Exchange, go to www.theexchange.cc. Well, today we are concluding a three-week series that we've been in over the past few weeks um, where we have really challenged what all of us kind of think about when it comes to the word Christian. Um, In our part of the world, even more specifically, our part of the country, when we hear that word Christian, uh, it causes us to think a lot of different things. In fact, we probably, if we really had to write something down, we actually maybe believe a lot of different things about what it means to be a Christian. And so over the last couple of weeks, without summarizing everything, throughout this series, really what we've honed in on and kind of set the table with is that what a lot of people in our part of the world, what a lot of people really believe and claim to be Christian, could probably more accurately be labeled as casual cultural Christianity. See, there's a lot of people around us that you work with, that you go to school with, that you're friends with, maybe even a lot of people who are listening like right now in this room in our online gathering who own a Bible, um, who go to church services occasionally. Hello, you're here, all right, who could quote a few verses of Scripture. Maybe you grew up in your student ministry. You did the D-Now thing. You did True Love Waits. You try not to cuss. You try to act as a pretty good morally person. And there's a lot of people that fit that category, but yet, watch this, their lives don't really look that different than the world around them. There's many people today who attend church, declare to be a Christian, but ultimately are really just as hopeless and broken as the rest of the world. So if the majority of us call ourselves Christians, and if I polled us today, the majority of people would probably raise their hand, but that's the results we're getting, just look at the world around us then it's safe to say that casual Christianity isn't really working. And so across these few weeks, we've been taking a deep, direct dive into Scripture to see what Jesus said, the Son of God said, when he said, follow me, be my disciple. So if you have a copy of Scripture, we're going to the same place one last time. If you've been here, you know where we're headed. Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9 is where we're going to be. A lot of this series has really been built out of just kind of one central verse. We're going to look at that verse again one more time. If you don't have a copy of Scripture, um, we'll put some verses on the screen for you to follow along. Also would encourage you, man, get something out that you can take notes, okay? Maybe the notes app on your phone, the back of the connection card, notebook from your friend, steal a piece of paper, write something down, because we believe that, man, when we write it down, all right, it sticks in our lives. We begin to understand it, believe it, and live it out. Otherwise, you're going to forget it by the time you get to the buffet at lunch, okay? Luke chapter 9, verse 23 Here is our verse. You can see it on the screen. It says, Then he, meaning Jesus, he said to them all, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. Man, that one verse that you probably heard before really gives us this outline, this great summary of what does Jesus call us to do when he calls us to follow him. So throughout this series, I've been giving us homework, okay? And I didn't remind you already because you might have left class by then, okay? But like we've got homework. Today we're brushing it up. Today's the final test where we've been memorizing that verse of Scripture. And some of you are like, oh, I memorized that back when I was in VBS, okay, 35 years ago. I got the gold sticker. Well, guess what? You're going to brush it off today. See if you memorize it. We've been looking at it the last two weeks, so it's on the screen. But I'm, I'm asking you, all right, like man up, woman up a little bit, okay? See if you can close one eye and see how much of it you can quote. Are you with me, okay? Some of y'all looking at me like, you crazy, I ain't doing No, listen, I'm just saying, try it, okay? Give it a shot. Here we go. Let's say it together. It's on the screen. Close your eyes if you can. Then he said to them all, 
Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. Okay, I, there was like a lot of, lot of this going on, a lot of, lot of that, all right? I'm going to give you one more chance, okay? One more chance to ingest this into us. Speak it out loud. Here we go. Close your eyes if you can, both of them. Here we go. Then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. Not bad, not bad, all right? At least eight of you got it, okay? Uh, the rest of you, you're coming around. And you go, why in the world you call us to do that? Ain't no way we gonna memorize all that. I know that. Some of you, you don't give a rip, all right? But here's the thing, man. If 25 people, what if 25 people like took that seriously and we begin to put God's word in our heart, what could it do for our intimacy with Jesus? Like we're crazy enough to believe that like when God said, hide your word in my heart, he actually like meant it. He wasn't just writing words. And so, man, I just encourage you to ingest God's word, put it in your heart, write it on a note card, stick it on your dashboard, whatever you need to do. But that verse, man, begins to shape us and build a foundation for us to lean into today. So today we're closing out that verse and closing out this series where we've kind of broken that verse down into three different parts. We said, uh, deny yourselves, take up your cross daily, and today is the last phrase, follow me. Follow me. Jesus said, whoever wants to be my disciple, like if you call yourself a Christian, which a lot of us would, he said, follow me. Now, what did Jesus mean really when he said, follow me? Like we sang it a while ago. I will follow you. All right. And I know that was off key. Okay. But that's what it sounded like in the back of the room. I will follow. We sang it. But what does it mean? What does it really mean? Now, Here's the deal. This phrase, follow me, is found 19 times in the Gospels, okay? Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, those four books, 19 times. How many of you got one of those Bibles that's got the red letters in it? You know, you got the red letter Bible, okay? You got like the Bible app translation, it's got the red, okay? Some of you, like maybe you don't really know why some of it's red. You're like, I don't, I don't know. They run out of black ink for like these books right here. Um, no, red letters means that who said it? Jesus said it, okay? And so here's the deal. 19 times, follow me, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, all of those red letters, meaning that Jesus said it or is a big deal, all right? Jesus said it, and he meant it when he said, follow me. Now, this word follow in the original language um, was the word akalutheo, all right? Akalutheo. The ah meant union or likeness with someone, okay? Kalutheos means a road or way. So you put the ah with the kalutheos, and you put it together, and it meant to walk the same road. So the call to follow Jesus literally meant to walk the same road as him. Now, it drew a lot of analogies and comparisons of this culture, even of some today. So here's what that could have meant. This phrase follow would have applied to like a soldier who followed his king, or like a slave who followed his master, or like a citizen who followed the law of the land, or like a scholar who followed the teacher, or like a young person who followed uh, the wisdom of an elder. All of these meanings, here's what we're saying, all of these meanings indicate that when Jesus called us to follow him, catch it, he meant to follow without question, anywhere, at any time, at any cost. That's what follow really meant. Now, perhaps my favorite explanation um, of this phrase that I found this week was where one commentator pointed out 
that early in the history of the Greek language, uh, this word akalutheo came to mean to imitate or follow someone's example. I like that. That's simple. I need it simple. So follow meant to imitate someone's example. So let me give you a question as we get started today for all of us to consider. Does your life imitate Jesus? Does your life imitate, now I'm not saying are you Jesus, because none of us are, but does your, does your life imitate Jesus? As a junior high, high school, college student, does your life imitate Jesus? As a, uh, a single parent, a spouse, married spouse, does your life imitate Jesus? What about em- employee at your workplace, student at your school, does Does your life imitate, if you want to follow, does it imitate Jesus? Or how about this one? Does your life as a church member, does it imitate Jesus? Jesus says, if you want to follow me, akalutheo, that you would imitate me. Chances are, here's where many of us have traveled. We've gone to church services, maybe for most of your life, or you've at least been to some church events in your life. And somewhere along your journey, you heard the invitation to be a Christian, right? You heard about heaven, you heard about hell, you heard about the love of God, and you were like, I think I want to go up there rather than down there. And you said yes to being a Christian. And maybe even you took some next steps in your faith journey within the confines of a church, confirmation, baptism, new believers class, you joined the Bible study. And you took those next steps. You did whatever you needed to do to check that box, if you will, of being a Christian. But listen, but perhaps you completely missed what it really means to follow, to akalutheo. Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple, if you want to come after me as a Christian, it means you must follow me or imitate me with your life. So here's what I'm going to do today, okay, for all my bullet outliners, all right? I'm going to give you three areas of our life that when Jesus called us to follow him, if we're going today, yeah, I'm in on that, that it's going to directly impact and affect in our life, okay? So three different areas. Now, for those of you who aren't note takers, all right, pooey on you, okay? But here's what you're going to do. I want you to hear today, all right, as the Holy Spirit speaks through the Word of God, and I want you to let the Spirit of God that maybe you claim is in you to speak and cause you to evaluate, right? Is, it, man, is Jesus, is the Holy Spirit, am I following in these areas of my life as a student, as a parent, as a spouse, as a boss? Am, is this, this is true of me. Ready? Here we go. Here's number one. First, Jesus calls you to follow him personally. Jesus calls you to follow him personally. Write that down. One of the phrases that we love to say, people love to say in the South, is I have a personal relationship with Jesus. How many of you ever said that before? I got a personal relationship with Jesus, okay? Nothing fully wrong with that, but here's, here's why a lot of people use that. They say, well, I have a personal relationship with Jesus, so that means I don't have to pray in public, all right? Come on, man, come on, all right? Or say, some people say, I have a personal relationship with Jesus, therefore I don't need, like, church. I don't have to go to church, all right? I go to Pillow Top Baptist Church, okay? Are you with me, all right? Was that real? Okay, that was a little real, all right? Some of y'all, it was like, about, it was way delayed on catching up with that, okay? I'm just saying, all right? So we say, well, I got a personal relationship with Jesus, so I don't have to do X, Y, Z. And here's the deal. Terrible excuses. Okay, terrible. Don't say that anymore, all right? 
But here's what I believe. There is some truth to that phrase, I have a personal relationship with Jesus. Because here's the thing. If you are a follower of Jesus, then yes, you should have a personal relationship with him. Okay? You can't follow Jesus if you aren't personally seeking him with your life. Now, as we said in week one, two weeks, or two weeks ago, three weeks ago, a relationship with Jesus starts with what? It starts with personal surrender. The Holy Spirit of God draws a person to relationship with God, okay? And then we choose to surrender and follow him with our life. Here's what we miss sometimes. Following Jesus also continues. It's not check the box, walk the aisle, we're done. But it continues through a continual personal relationship. Let me give you a verse. John 15, verse 5. Look at it. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Here's what Jesus is saying. Jesus says, I'm the vine, I'm the source, I give life, I give purpose, I give meaning, you're a branch. And if you stay connected to me, in relationship, personal relationship, guess what? Your faith will prosper. You'll mature in your faith. But if you get disconnected to me, define disconnected however you want to, he says, guess what? You can do nothing. I'm a source. And therefore, there must be a personal seeking and relationship with me. Now, this word abide that Jesus used there in John 15, 5, it also means to make your home with, to abide with. And I wonder, how many of you, quick show of hands, how many of you have ever had somebody that was not like your spouse or kids move into your house with you, okay? Don't elbow them, just raise your hand. That's all, all right? You had something like it was a family member, a friend, a distant relative, all right, Meemaw, all right, she moved into your house, okay? Now, here's the deal. A lot of times when that happens, man, maybe somebody has nowhere to go, and they need somewhere to be, and so you welcome them into your house. And man, like, just kudos for that. Like, that's an incredible act of love and care and generosity, okay? But can we get real enough to say today in church, all right, can we get real for just a second to say that when somebody else moves into your house, it changes the way that you live in your house, okay? Can we just, just look this way. Don't look at them. But I'm just saying, it changes the way that you live in your house. Like, maybe they leave dishes in the sink. Mm -hmm, you know who you are, all right? Which drives you up the wall, or when they walk into the living room, they take your chair and your remote and they don't put the ball game on the screen. Come on, all right? When somebody else moves into your house, let's get real. You got to wear a different pair of drawers to the kitchen just to get something to eat. I'm just being real. It changes the way that you live in your home when somebody moves into your home. And if it changes the way that you live in your house when somebody moves into your house, oh, how much more so should it change your life when Jesus takes residence and he abides? Okay, here's what Jesus said, John 14, 23. Look at it on the screen. Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will do what? Will obey my teaching and my father will love them and we, Father, Son, Spirit, will come to them and make our what? home with them. We will abide with them. If you are a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus, it should change the way that you follow Jesus. How? Personally. Now, let me give you two really tangible things all right, that could connect into your, your personal following of Jesus. You ready? For some of you, to follow Jesus personally means there are some sin habits that you need to lay down. Okay? 
If Jesus is living in your home or in your life, then there's some sin that needs to move out. We, scripture says, be holy as I am holy. We will never achieve perfect holiness, but that's the goal of a follower of Jesus. We're, we're chasing after righteousness and holiness through the power of Christ and his spirit that is in us. But here's what's happened. Listen, cultural Christianity over time in our culture, we have found these ways to dismiss and justify sin in our life. Let me make it real. We now as a culture engage in sex before we're married like it's test driving a car off the lot. What do, what, what do we say? What do we say? Well, it, I, I, it's, I love them. Okay. All right. And we're, it's part of us just getting to know each other. How about this one? We watch or we listen to content that, I mean, in no way does it encourage our minds towards holiness. It is not in any way making us more like Jesus. And what do we say? Well, I just like the beat. Or everybody else at work was talking about the show, so I felt like I needed to watch the show so I could have the conversation. Or or what do we do? Man, we we fire off on social media because we can fire like this and we don't have to say it in person. Or we gossip about somebody else. And then, then what do we say? Well, everybody else thought the same thing. They, they had to know it was coming. They know what they did. We dis, listen, we dismiss and we justify sin in our life. But Jesus said to follow me means that you imitate me. And Jesus lived a life that chased what? Holiness and righteousness. Following Jesus personally for some of us, listen, it means there's some sin habits that you need to lay down, that need to pack up their boxes and move out through the power of the Holy Spirit that is in you. Now, there's another thing. Follow Jesus personally also means there's some spiritual habits that you need to pick up. You can't imitate Jesus if you don't know him. And knowing him starts by personally seeking him. Let me ask you some questions. Don't answer out loud. Don't raise your hand. Don't look at your neighbor. Just think about it right here, okay? Let me ask you a few questions. When is the last time that you picked up your Bible or opened up your Bible app by yourself to read Scripture so that you might hear from God? Just answer right here. When is the last time you spent five straight minutes by yourself praying to God, praising him, and making requests of him. You ready? I got one more. When is the last time that you willingly, okay, confessed your sin to someone else so that you might be held accountable as a follower of Jesus? Now, some of you, as you answered the question right here, you went like, I, I did multiple of those multiple times this past week. Come on, okay? For others of you, as you answered it right here, if you were honest, you were like, man, I, don't, I can't fully remember the last time I personally engaged the word to try to hear from God or that I prayed with any meaning or definitely that I confessed my sin to somebody else. Listen to me, listen. I don't ask those questions to put guilt or shame on you. That ain't my role. But I lay that before us to help us understand, stay with me, that to imitate and follow Jesus starts with knowing him 
personally. Okay? You can't imitate and follow somebody that you don't know. So following Jesus means there's a personal call to follow him. What does that mean? Well, it means there's some sin habits you need to lay down and some spiritual habits you need to pick up. How? Through the power of the Holy Spirit that's in you. Okay? You ain't going to will your way into it, but the Holy Spirit creates that hunger and passion. Let's go. Okay? Number two, listen faster. Jesus calls you to follow him publicly. All right? You knew if there's a personal call, there had to be a public call. Jesus calls us to follow him, and that means to follow him publicly. In the New Testament, as Jesus was starting his ministry, remember he was like rounding up his boys. He, he went and found like the you know, weakest guys, the lowest of society. He was like, hey, you're going to be my boys, and you're going to serve with me. And Scripture records his recruiting strategy. You want to see this? Um, Matthew chapter 4, verse 18. Watch this. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. What were they doing? They were fishing. They were casting a net into the lake because they were fishermen. And verse 19, Jesus said, come. What did he say? Follow me. Jesus said, I'm going to send you out to fish for people. They didn't fully know what that meant at that point, but that's what he said. And then verse 20, at once, at once, they left their nets and followed him. Now get this, I know this is 2,000 years ago, but as Jesus walked up on these two brothers, Jesus essentially was walking onto their job site. Like he walked into their cubicle. He walked into their workplace and he said, hey guys, I know you maybe look a little busy, but I'm saying, will you follow me? Now, a lot of people believe that they were working with their father or at least with their family. But scripture says, if I read it right, immediately they dropped their nets, walked off their job site, and followed Jesus. Now, don't, like, don't get this wrong. This wasn't a call to an afternoon hangout. Like, this wasn't a men's weekend fishing retreat. No, this was a call to have their lives completely transformed from this point forward by following Jesus. Like, this call meant it changed their job, it changed their family dynamics. It changed their public image. And ultimately, it changed their lives. And here's what I want us to hear today, that Jesus calls you and me to follow him publicly. And listen, following him publicly will always cost you something. For these disciples, when they said yes to this call to follow Jesus, it meant that it changed how people viewed them. And it, meant it changed literally what they did with their lives every day. So let me ask you, just for you to consider, are you willing to follow Jesus if it costs you something? Like, are, are you willing to follow Jesus if it means losing some of your closest friends? Are you willing to follow Jesus if it means losing some of your reputation that you kind of hang on to? Are you willing to follow Jesus if it meant losing your job to seek something else? Are you willing to follow Jesus if it, if it meant losing your life? Now listen, notice I ask all those questions, are you willing? Following Jesus doesn't mean all those things are going to happen, but the point is, if they did, are you willing? Would you follow? See, Casual Christianity isn't willing to commit to the cost of following. But Jesus asked, will you follow me at all cost? A kalutheo. 
That's what follow means. Now listen, point one and point two connect together. Jesus calls, him to, calls us to follow him publicly, but following Jesus publicly always starts with following Jesus personally. Every time. You will never follow Jesus publicly until you first follow him personally. Like you, you will never stand up for your faith in your friend circle until you first stand in the word personally. You'll, you'll never fight for truth and righteousness at your workplace, at your school, until you first fight for personal time in worship and prayer with God. You will, you will never follow Jesus fully publicly until you first faithfully follow him personally. But listen, listen, listen. If you faithfully follow Jesus personally, it will always affect how you live publicly. Every time. If you faithfully follow him personally, it's going to overflow. I've never met a, a man, a woman, a married couple, or a student who is consistently, obediently, faithfully in the word, trying to seek God in prayer, not perfect, all right? prioritizing community, praying, giving, serving, leaning into Christ's likeness. I've never found who's consistently doing that, and then it's not affecting the way they live publicly. If it's in you, it's going to come out of you. I love how Jeremiah says it. Look at this, Jeremiah 20, verse 9, Old Testament. He says, but if I say... I will not mention his word or speak anymore in his name. He's like, if I tried to hold it in, his word is in my heart like a fire. It's a fire shut up in my bones, and I am weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. Jeremiah says, I've known God. I've known his word. I've worshiped him in the valley and on the mountaintop. And because I know him personally, when I go to work, when I go to the store, when I go to the ball field, when I'm sitting at home with my spouse, when I'm driving my kids to school, it comes out because I've personally followed him and therefore it causes me to publicly follow him at any cost. So what did Jesus mean when he said, follow me? Well, he meant personally and he also meant publicly. But I told you there was one last one. So Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple, want to be a follower of Christ, follow me. Here's the final area. You ready? Jesus calls you to follow him in spiritual community. Jesus calls you to follow him in spiritual community. Let me give you a big picture. New Testament. Maybe you hadn't read it all. Here's what happens. Jesus Christ, son of God, sent by God to be the Messiah, walks the earth for 33 years. What does he do? He does ministry. He's crucified, he gives his life, he's resurrected, and he overcomes the power of sin and death and hell in the grave, and then he offers salvation, right, to all who would believe and follow. And then what did he do? Matthew 28, he returned, he ascended, he returned to the Father, and he says, what am I leaving you? I'm leaving you my spirit, the Holy Spirit, and then catch it, here you go. Then Jesus called all who would follow him to join in his mission through his church locally and globally. That's it. There's the New Testament. You ready? So in Acts chapter 2, Scripture records what one of the very first churches in Jerusalem, what they look like. Want to get a snapshot? Here we go. Maybe you've read it before. Let's be reminded. Acts 2.42. It says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread. They had potlucks. I don't know if it was casseroles and fruit salad, but they was eating. And to prayer. They had Wednesday night prayer meetings. 
And everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and the signs that were performed by the apostles. In other words, God was blowing their mind. There's cool stuff going on because God was present. And all the believers were together and they had everything in common and they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. They were generous. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together. They were in small groups and they had glad and sincere hearts. In verse 47, they praised God. They enjoyed the favor of all the people. Like their city was like, come on, look what's happened with these people. And the best phrase maybe of all of it, watch what happened. And the Lord added to their number daily. Daily people are coming to know Jesus. Come on, I'm joining that church. That was the church. That was the picture of what Christ planted. And hear me, it was through this spiritual community of the local church that Jesus called his followers to be a part of as they follow him. And catch it, for the last 2,000 years, it has been God's command and his design for Christ followers to join in the mission of that church. 2,000 years. He's been called. If you say you're a Christian, man, you locked in to my mission, my family. Pastor and author David Platt wrote in his book, Follow Me. It's a long quote, but I put it on the screen because I want you to see it. Look at it. It's biblically impossible to follow Christ apart from joining his church. Anyone who claims to be a Christian but is not an active member of their church may not actually be a follower of Christ at all. Stay with me. Don't leave. Joining a church most certainly does not make someone a Christian. But to identify your life with the person of Christ is also to join your life with the people of Christ. To surrender to his commands is to commit your life to his church. Don't miss the last sentence. It is biblically, spiritually, and practically impossible to be a disciple of Christ apart from total devotion to a family of Christians. Come on. So listen, church. If we call ourselves Christians, and a whole lot of us do, it is impossible for you and me to fully follow Jesus apart from being connected and committed to Jesus' bride, the church. And for anybody who would raise their hand today and say, yes, I'm a Christian, there's a lot of us. The question that you must answer today is this. Am I an active, accountable member of a local church? I'm not even saying this one. I'm just saying if you're calling yourself a Christian, this is what Jesus is saying. And listen, notice, the question I asked was not, is my name on a church membership list or role somewhere? That's not the question. The question is not... Do I attend church services occasionally, give my tithe every once in a while, and help serve when I can? That's the casual, cultural, Christian question. And I'm saying it's the wrong question. We're at a moment in time, at a place in the world, where we have to throw that question out. Casual Christianity 
that so much is defined by those questions isn't working. And if we're going to be truly committed, sold out, Luke 9.23 followers of Jesus, there's a different question. I'm going to put it on the screen because I want you to screenshot it, grab it. You're not going to be able to probably write it down. It's a little lengthy. This is the question. You ready? Am I committed? Am I committed to a local church where I'm sharing life with other followers of Christ in mutual accountability, under biblical leadership, for the building of my faith, and for the glory of God? That's the question. I'm going to read it one more time so we let it soak in. Am I committed as a follower of Jesus? If I say I'm a Christian, am I? You answer. Am I committed to a local church where I'm sharing life with other followers of Christ in mutual accountability, under biblical leadership, for the building of my faith, and for the glory of God? Church, time is running out. And there is, I'm just saying today, there is no more room for casual, cultural church attendance or engagement so we can feel good about ourselves, so we can have something to do on the weekends where we don't have anything else to do, and so we can tell our friends, well, yeah, we go down to so-and-so church. That's what far too many casual cultural Christians have done for years. I'm just saying today, casual Christianity has gotten us what we got right now. And I believe the word calls us to a committed gathering. Hebrews 10, 24, look at this. It says, and let us consider how we may spur one another on. Guess what? Man, I need you to spur me on. I got days and moments where this boy's faith gets weak, but man, because I'm a part of a spiritual family, praise God, I got people who pick me up and they spur me on. And you need it too. They spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Verse 25, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. That sounds like culture. But encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Scripture says, here's what it says. Time is running out and commitment to Christ and to his church matters. Why? Why does it matter, Hebrews? Because that is a huge part of the foundation that's going to hold and spur one another on until Jesus comes back to get us. So, man, I can't speak for all churches. I'm only called to be the pastor of this church for this season, but I'm going to speak about this house. Okay? As the exchange, we call people in our family who say, I'm a follower of Jesus and this is where God's called me to be a part of. We call people into covenant membership. And some of you know that. You've heard that. Tune that out. Some of you, like, you're kind of new to our family, and you're like, what in the world is that? I've heard of, like, church membership, country club. Like, what is this? Okay? Listen, as covenant members, we essentially call people to three things. Okay? To gather, to give, and to grow with others. That's, that's essentially what covenant membership in our family looks like. You ready? So we call you to gather. In other words, we believe as a follower of Jesus within the confines of the local church that you should prioritize the getting together, the gathering of God's people, um, and that primarily happens on a Sunday morning context. Here's what I know. If you can't prioritize one of your 168 hours to gather together, you're probably not prioritizing your faith. 
Listen, I did not say perfect attendance, all right? I ain't here every week. But I'm saying it burns in you because I want to be together. Okay? So we, yeah, we call covenant marriage to prioritize the gathering of believers because guess what? I need you and you need me. And I can't have that if I'm apart from you. Okay? So we call people together. Um, we call people who are covenant marriage to give of their time and of their resources. What does that mean? Well, that means we call you to give of your time and your gifts to serve other people. Okay, get life, give life. That means that you serve within the confines of the church. You got a gift, I got a spiritual gift, you need my gift, I need your gift. And we got like a dozen different opportunities from cleaning to tech to worship to kids to students. I mean, it's just about everything on almost any day of the week that you can serve with your time. Why would you do that? I'm kind of busy. Well, because you're part of a bigger family. And if you don't serve, you start thinking it's about you, and it ain't about you, okay? It's about one name being lifted up in our lives, so we call people to give of their time. We also call people to give of their resources through simply what Scripture says is a biblical call to tithe, like just to start there, tithe. Well, money's kind of tight. That's my money, man, okay? Listen, I'm just saying, if you, if you go, I'm not doing that, then you're not fully ready to fully follow Jesus with all of your life, okay? He calls us to Fully follow him, every part. It's actually all his anyway. So to gather, to give, and then we also call covenant to grow with others. We actually say, I've said it today, you weren't meant to grow in your faith alone. So we call people like beyond this moment, okay, because yes, somebody's sitting two seats down, or yes, somebody else is in the online gathering, but you ain't really growing with them. You don't know their story. So we ask you to grow within the confines of a life group, it's like other men, other women, other couples, or other students, or an e-group, okay? Just two people, two more people, and you. Read God's Word, those groups. What, what is that? I hear y'all talk about groups all the time. Is that recovery groups? No, no, it's not. Listen, it means you meet together for like an hour or two every week. Some of them, it's every other week. And what happens in that? Like, does everybody just pour their tears out and share their stories? No. They care for one another because you got needs and they got needs. And you care for somebody else, and then somebody else cares for you, because ain't nobody's world perfect. And then what do we do? Well, we grow in our faith together. Like somebody else is going to encourage your faith, and guess what you need to do? You need to encourage somebody else's faith. You know what that's called? Disciple making. Like that's what Jesus called us to. So we say if you're a covenant member of our house, you gather, you give, and you grow with others in your faith. Now listen. Some of you, maybe you're new to our family, maybe you've been apart forever, and you've never heard it laid out like that. And you go, whoa, like, that's a lot. Life's busy. I work 40, 50, 60 hours a week. I'm a single parent with three kids. Like, do you, you really think you have to do all of that to be a part of a church? Like, that's, that's kind of lofty. People are really, really busy nowadays. Do you have to do all those things to be a member of a church? Maybe that's what you're thinking. You ready? I got an answer for you. Here's the answer. Churches with low or no expectations accommodate and create casual cultural Christians. I'm going to say it one more time. Churches with low or no expectations on the people who call themselves followers of Jesus, who are part of their family, if you have low or no expectations, they accommodate and then they create casual cultural Christians. So I'm speaking on behalf of this house. You ready? If we allowed you to call yourself, if you feel led to, to call yourself a member of our spiritual family and we never challenge you towards next steps in your faith, like gather, give, and grow, 
we would be failing as a biblical church. Jesus called his followers early on to leave their jobs, their families, and some of them to physically give their lives. We're just saying gather, give, and grow. And unfortunately, for years, I can say this because I'm a pastor. Unfortunately, for years, churches have refused to call people to truly surrender, to sacrifice, and to serve Jesus with their lives. And listen, you want to know what we got out of that? You ready? A ton of people who admire and are cool with Jesus as long as he doesn't interfere with their lives. And I'm just saying today, that's not okay anymore. Because casual Christianity and casual cultural Christianity isn't working. Jesus calls anyone who would follow him. If you say, I want to be a disciple, I'm checking the box as a Christian. He says, then follow me. Follow me personally, follow me publicly, and follow me in spiritual community. Now listen, I'm about to land the plane. Give me three more minutes, okay? I'm landing the plane on today, but I want to zoom it out, and I want to land the plane on this whole series. You're like, man, you, you're like, you, are you mad today? No, like I'm, I'm really, really passionate about this because time is running out. And God's given me a seat at the table to watch our culture, to watch our church family. And I'm just saying, as we celebrate 10 years, this is what the Holy Spirit burdened my heart to speak through the word to people who I love dearly. And I want to stand till the end with you. Luke 9, 23, let's look at it one more time. Then he, Jesus, he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves Take up their cross daily and follow me. Here it is. The reason I believe that that verse and this three-week series matters so much is because the Bible Belt version of casual cultural Christianity can outwardly seem pretty in step with actually following Jesus as Lord on surface level. Many people know Bible stories and verses. Many people attend church services occasionally. You're here. Many people can say the Lord's Prayer from memory, and there's a lot of people who even take pride in being a Christian. You can still kind of do that in our part of the world. It sounds really close to the real thing, but it's missing the true commitment that Jesus called us to when he said, will you surrender and will you sacrifice and will you serve me with your life? And the casual Christianity gospel, here it is, is close, but it's wrong. And the difference between close and wrong has eternally catastrophic consequences. And the casual, cultural, Christian theology is perhaps one of the platforms that's perhaps most spread without any batting of an eye is through songs of the South, country music. And listen to me, don't email me. I'm not hating on all country music. I listen to it sometimes, okay? Okay. Don't email or DM me. I don't want to hear it. 
But here's what I'm saying. Stay with me. Pay attention. The casual cultural Christianity gospel is pushed out there in something that a lot of our culture engages with. And sometimes, listen, we don't even catch it. Like, let me give you an example. The 2008 song by our boy Kenny Chesney. Everybody wants to go to heaven, don't they? Some of you are like, are, are you about to quote country music lyrics in church? Like, is this about, it's about to happen, okay? Some of you are like, I don't do country. Okay, well, like, listen, you're going to get the lyrics. Here's what it says. Don't miss it. Preacher told me last Sunday morning, son, you better start living right. You need to quit the women and the whiskey and carry it on all night. Don't you want to hear him call your name when you're standing at the pearly gates? I told the preacher, yes, I do, but I hope they don't call today because I ain't ready. Everybody wants to go to heaven, have a mansion high above the clouds. Everybody want to go to heaven, but nobody want to go. Some of you are like, I don't know what I can say. I can't say the lyrics. I've heard it before, okay? It's okay. Here we go. Verse 2. Said, preacher, maybe you didn't see me. Throw an extra 20 in the plate. There's one for everything I did last night and one to get me through today. Here's a 10 to help you remember. Next time you got the good Lord's ear. Say I'm coming, but there ain't no hurry because I'm having fun down here. Don't you know that everybody wants to go to heaven? Get their wings and fly around. Everybody want to go to heaven. It beats the other place, there ain't no doubt. Everybody want to go to heaven, but nobody want to go now. And church, hear me. I've never met Kenny Chesney, and I'm sure he's a really nice guy. And he's got way more earthly fame and success than I'll ever have. But if those lyrics represent what he believes, he ain't going to heaven. And neither is anybody else who believes or lives anything close to that. And listen to me. I could have listed a thousand more songs, every genre of music, so many more examples. Here's why I'm saying it. Because that is the definition of casual cultural, Christian, wrong theology. And it's close on some levels, but yet it's so, so far away. And we live at a time in history, at a place in the world where Jesus has just become another cultural thing to do. Where a few people take it seriously a lot of people follow casually, and some people just don't have time for it at all. And I'm just saying today that that's light years from what Jesus meant when he says, if you want to be my disciple, then deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Thanks for listening to this message from The Exchange. If you would like to talk to someone about your faith journey, you can contact us through our website, www.theexchange.cc, or by calling or texting 601-397-6111. Now let's go be the church.